The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, The Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey. I'm the host of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. And today's show is a little bit of departure from the shows that we've done the last couple of weeks, focusing on women and the glass ceiling. It's really now looking at another factor in the workplace, which is millennial. And our focus today is really the myth busters. You know, much has been written about millennials. The research says somewhere in the neighborhood of by the year 2020, 80% of the workforce will be millennials. Additionally, 10,000 baby boomers are retiring regularly. You know, there's at least four generations in the workplace today, and depending upon what country you're in and where you are, there can be as many as five different generations. But the question is, what's really different? Here's a quote from my guest coming on in a little bit today. Differences and similarities are a fact of life in any group. And the fact is that we've all been different and we've all been similar for hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years. So what's really different about the baby boomers? I met James uh, O. Rogers recently, and we were talking about this issue of millennials when we were hearing some of these statistics. And we both kind of looked at each other and said, you know, that sounds like how I felt when I was coming up in the workforce. So what really is the difference? We spend a lot of time on gender. 50% of the workforce uh, is women. And now with a global economy, that factor of the workforce is going to be more and more important. But the truth of the matter is there really are all types of women, and they come in all types of forms and fashions, as do all employees. We have a range of religions in the workforce today. Again, I said five generations, depending upon where you are. Race, nationality, all complex, and this is not going to change. Inclusion is no longer a sideline issue. Really, diversity is no longer a sideline issue, as it used to be. It's a central issue today. And if leaders are not able to flex to all of the diversity that we have had and we will continue to have, they will not be successful. And companies will be marginalized if they're not able to manage differently, which leads me 
to my guest. Jim Rogers has been working in the field of diversity for quite some time. What I love about Jim is that he has great practical experience because he's been a practitioner as well as an author and thought leader in inclusive organizations and inclusive cultures. And his book, Managing Differently, I just love. The tagline is, getting 100% of the effort from 100% of your employees 100% of the time. Wouldn't you love to do that? Why Jim resonated with me so much is because his central point is you have to have good management practices. You know, maybe 30 years ago when we didn't have as much social media as we have today, hmm, managers that weren't so great and leaders that weren't so great could survive. But as time goes on, that's simply not going to be the case. And if you want to be a top-tier company that attracts talent from all walks of life to, and the best talent from all walks of life, you need to ensure that you have managers that can manage differently and leaders who can lead differently. I recently was with my granddaughter, and I, I was just sort of shocked. You know, she's in, in college right now, and... Um, she was telling me, which I thought was such an interesting story, that they now have rateyourprofessor.com. And when I was in college, we had to suffer through some pretty crummy professors sometimes and some really great ones. And we shared the information word of mouth. Now, students, before they even sign up for a class, go on to rateyourprofessor.com to see whose class they're going to take and whose is going to be the best. And that's how they choose their professors. So what I think is really different here is that the tools are different. So with that, let me introduce Jim Rogers. Jim, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And it's just a great book that you have. Lots of practical advice, simple language. And I took this right from, from your book with straight talk and vivid stories. And for me, what really resonated was, you know, it's all about good management practices. And like my story about my granddaughter, lots of kids, lots of potential employees are logging online and seeing what your company is all about. And if you don't have good management, that word gets out faster than anything else. So welcome, Jim. So glad you could join me. Thank you, Linda. And I'm excited to continue that thought-provoking conversation we started a couple of weeks ago. I know. I think we could have spent the, uh, the whole day on that topic. Yeah. And we're going to spend at least the, the, the rest of the show on it. Good. So tell me, Jim, why did you, why did you write your book? It's, it's a great book. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate uh, you mentioning it. But I felt compelled to write it because, you know, as a former really good manager and a leader inside an organization and having been a management consultant for many, many years and having looked inside over 200 different companies, uh, my observation was that that was kind of the missing element, that when we talk about diversity and diversity management, people were not making the connection that diversity is a, is a fact of life. We're not working on getting more diversity. We already got more than we know what to do with. <laughs> the issue is... That is so true. You know, I love that statement because I used to say to managers, you know, 
you're worried about getting women at the top of the house or having diverse candidates, stand at your front door every day. Yeah, you have diversity absolutely. coming through the door constantly. What you need to do is just figure out a way to, to, to bring people up through the career ranks. So that's such a great point. Yeah. So we're all swimming in the sea of diversity. The issue is, have we developed the skill set and the mindset to actually get the best out of that, those diverse perspectives that, like you say, are showing up at the door? And that's what the book is about. It's about giving simple, practical ways of repositioning it, gaining perspective about it, and some real tools to, uh, to help you to do the job of managing a more diverse team uh, in a, a way that's effective and allows you to get world-class results. Yeah, and, and what do you see, James? I mean, uh, f- from where I sit, this has just gotten, with, with globalization, the whole issue is ex- just heightened just that much more. What are you seeing relative to globalization? Well, globalization has, is both a, a blessing and a curse. Number one, it does put us squarely in the middle of having, having the need to understand more diverse perspectives because when you go global, I can guarantee you that people in other countries and other nations, uh, in other parts of the world, don't see the world the same way that we Westerners do. And so if you don't recognize that, you're walking into a minefield. And fortunately, most companies realize that, and they try to prepare themselves for going global. And in the process, they're developing some skills that will help them to manage diversity in, in general. So by being forced to look at certain elements of diversity, that is cultural diversity, they are necessarily bumping into the need to figure out why they are not so good at managing diversity, period. So globalization yeah. is good. And one, one of the good things about it, of course, is that it uh, introduces the idea of virtual teams, and I've written a couple of papers about that recently, and I found it quite interesting. Oh, I love that, but because that is the way of the world. I mean, many, many leaders now don't see their teams and don't have the opportunity to see their teams because they're all over the world, uh, you know, and they have, to, they have to operate virtually. So, so what did you find in, in your studies of that? Well, one of the things I found out is that properly managed, a virtual team can be more effective than a face-to-face team. And one of the challenges that we've had in the field of diversity uh, all along has been something we call fault lines. Fault lines is when people of a different cohort are working on a team, they tend to gravitate to each other, and they tend to develop, you know, strength of bond around that cohort. Say uh, the women on a team made up of majority men, the women will find each other, and they will work with hey, the women gonna, more closely than they We're going to be coming will. up on break in, in about a minute, so I just wanted to give you that little sure. heads up. So go ahead. That's great. Okay. Go ahead. And so to overcome the cohorts, uh, when you use proper technology in virtual teams, you can overcome that by making the first couple of months that the team is working together virtual, chat rooms, email. That way no one knows what anyone else looks like. All they know is that, boy, this guy is really giving us some great input. I can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to meet her uh, and see uh, face-to-face the great value that they're bringing to the team. So finally when they do meet face-to-face, they've overcome this, this uh natural tendency to be gravitate towards their um, identity group, they are now already a, a team that recognizes the value of each member. That is so counterintuitive because everything I've read about virtual teams, you've got to, people say you've got to bring them together first, you know, yeah. so they get to know each other. But you're saying just completely the opposite. 
Absolutely, and that's what the current research is beginning to point to. And plus, my personal experience has shown that um, that when you begin a, a team virtually like that, and you give them an opportunity to really appreciate each other, appreciate each other's value, you're less likely to give uh, get the distraction of fault lines when the team does actually come together face to face. And you know what's so so interesting about that too, because they don't come up with any visual biases about each other. They're just judging each other from the work and the contribution that they're making. That's, that's an interesting point. That's the idea. Well, I believe we are coming up on break, and stay with us because we, we're going to talk more about the millennials with Jim Rogers and uh, really get into what the real facts are and what are the myths that everybody believes. So stay with us and stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, uh, host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection, and with me today is James Rogers, author of Managing Differently, a really great book uh, on inclusion and diversity in the workplace. And uh, James is with me today because we had a really interesting conversation of how different are the millennials really from everyone else? And what are some of the myths that are out there? So, James, let's just jump back in on this conversation. So, how different are the millennials from your perspective? Well, I want to begin by saying the millennials are certainly a growing and very important generational cohort, and there's a lot of attention being paid to them because for some reason we think that we don't understand them because they're new. They've got different toys. They've got different tools. And those of us who've been around for a while found those things kind of interesting. But I believe there's a trap here. And that trap is we wind up stereotyping them as a cohort. All the work I've ever done in managing diversity has all about been about managing the individual. You don't manage cohorts. You don't manage stereotype groups. You don't manage women as women. You manage women as individuals. You don't manage people of color because of their racial identity. You manage them as individuals. Uh, that's the biggest mistake that people make, even with generational uh, cohorts, is that we begin to lump them into groups, we define what that group is about, and then we manage the individuals in that group as though they were just like those characteristics that we ascribe to the group. That's a trap. That is a trap, and that is so interesting because we do make those generalizations, and then as a result... You know, we, we treat everybody the same as opposed to treating everybody how, you know, they want to be treated, really. Yeah. And as you remember in my book, is one of the seven Trump principles is getting to know each individual as an individual. Uh, there's, a, there's a workshop, there's an uh, exercise that I do in some, one of the workshops that I present in which I uh, present all the characteristics of each one of the generations, the traditionals, the boomers, the Gen Xs, and the millennials, and, you know, we describe all the things that we generally stereotypically ascribe to each one of the generational groups. And then I give the group an exercise. I say, okay, so who is this? 
And I describe a person who was hired into a fast-track management program, became a supervisor in two and a half years, made top management in five years, immediately wanted to know when is his next promotion, never held any job over 18 months, and then one day just up and resigned unexpectedly. And I asked them, so which generation or cohort does this person come from? And, of course, probably 70% of the class said, well, that's obviously a millennial. And some will say, well, that could be a Gen Xer. And then I dropped the bomb on him. I'm a boomer. I just described my career. Because what I'm suggesting yeah, very about interesting. is this. It is not the generational cohort that's most important. It is, it is the stage of life. When you're in your 20s, you are a little restless. You don't yet understand how things work. You have uh, different expectations than maybe the people you're working for. That was true of me when I was in my 20s, and it is true of the millennials now that, we, that they're coming into the workplace. So I think the wiser path for any manager or leader is to look at the individual and recognize that millennials are not that different from other generational cohorts that, uh, that we've encountered. You know, what's interesting about what you're saying is that PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, uh, has a large global uh, workforce, and they did one of the largest generational studies with the University of Southern California. And what they found was exactly what you're saying. And uh, I'll I'll offer some statistics later, but um, at my generation, we wanted work-life balance, too. Yep. And uh, so, do, so do the millennials. And as it turns out, so does just about everybody. So mm. that's a great point, James. Thank what you. else What else do you, do you go through? Well, uh, in the work that I do, of course, it, it all begins with the whole idea of diversity management. But when I get inside an organization, I'm basically doing change management and strategy execution. So the book that I wrote is at the intersection of diversity, which is, I say again, is a reality and the intersection of management. And I distinguish managing from leading. And one of the ways that I do that is to remind people that, again, we get caught into a trap of of, uh, emphasizing leadership to the detriment of management. Management is that one-on-one, face-to-face, day-to-day interaction with employees to make sure that they have everything that they need to be at their best. Back to the book. Getting 100% from 100% of your people 100% of the time means that you've got to make sure that everybody has what they need to be at their best. Leading is differently. It's a much more detached um, uh, uh, adventure. Uh, one guy wrote me on a, in response to a blog that I wrote recently. He says, uh, Jim, I totally disagree with your point of view because you manage things and you lead people. And I wrote him back, no, no, you lead change and you manage complexity. The real need for leadership is to help people navigate the uncertainties out there. The leader has to look down the road and around the corner in order to figure out what's about to face the organization and to prepare the organization for it. But on a one-on-one, day-to-day, face-to-face basis, managers are the ones that help employees to be their best. Uh, you know what? What uh, is striking me so uh, so much about this conversation is that, uh, as you know, you and I talked about this. I I did uh, an extensive research on global leadership, and um, and what are going to be the leadership characteristics that are absolutely correlated to business outcomes and business results in the future, now actually and in the future, and they absolutely support what you're saying. One is. 
the leader slash manager has to be able to make simplicity out of complexity and they have to treat people as individuals and get to know them on a, on a personal level. And if they don't do that, you know, people are are not going to have the emotional connection with the organization. So I, I just love what you're saying. Well, thank you. And I, you know, you mentioned one, go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead with what you were going to say. I have another question for you, I but I'd love to, be to hear you. Just about every cohort that we're talking about, I know that you do a lot of conversation on this program around around women, and uh, yes, I've just had a conversation with someone I hope I think will, will be a guest of yours in the future, uh, Becky Blaylock, about the two issues. One of them is preparing win- women for key leadership roles, and the second, of course, is. Org- is preparing organizations to be accepting of leaders in different bodies. So those are the two parts of the work, and a lot of women are stepping up. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg and Becky Blaylock and others are beginning to give us some tools so that women will understand that how to play the game at the highest level. And I continue to do my work in trying to help organizations prepare themselves for the fact that leaders, managers, employees of all types will not look like they have in the past. And we have to recondition our thinking about what excellence looks like so that we see it when we, uh, when we see it and we notice it when we notice it and that we're paying attention to it and not being caught up in our stereotypical thinking that says a leader looks like this and acts like that. What we need are genuine leaders who can yeah. help us navigate the change and genuine managers who can help us navigate the complexity that is increasing inside organizations. That's so true. I just want to explore something. And Becky was on uh, just recently, and I, I want to explore something that you just said, which is what do women need to do differently from your perspective? So, Because it's, it's not so much an issue of, um, you know, that there isn't diversity in the workplace. There is. Yes. But the issue that I keep coming up against is that when you get to the top of the house, it looks like a particular type of cohort. Sure. And there isn't a lot of diversity. And, and, and let me tell you, know, you why. So how, why. Do you, how do you break through that? Well, first of all, you have to understand the dynamics of it. I just wrote an article about why the lack of diversity out in Silicon Valley, and, and I'm making the same point. The cohort at the top of the organization is less about technical ability or skills, and it's more about comfort and fit. So in order for a person to be invited to those, right. to those right. levels, I've got to first, number one, know you, like you, and trust you. Your performance is a given. The fact that you can actually produce results, you know, I have to assume that you've already passed that hurdle. The next hurdle is, can you fit in with us? Can I trust you? Do I know you well enough to know that under certain circumstances I can predict what your behavior is? Can I put you out in front of the public and feel comfortable that you're not going to embarrass the organization? And to the extent that the new players in the game don't get comfortable with those facts, whether we like them or not is not the issue. We're getting comfortable with those facts is really the challenge of preparing women and people of color for higher-level positions. The organization also has some work to do, though, because the fact is leadership and uh, top-level people are not going to look the way they have in the past. We just don't have the luxury of, of keeping that up simply because of the demographics and the psychographics that are showing up in the workplace. We have got to make room for different peoples who have talent, skills, and the perspective that we need to move organizations to the next level. 
So those are the two issues that, uh, that need to be worked inside an organization. And it begins with recognizing the facts. You remember Jim Collins said, and a lot of people poo-pooed it, but it's absolutely the truth. You begin by acknowledging the facts. You've got to face the facts. The fact is right. the rules of the game right. have been around for a long time, and they're not going to change because new players show up. So the new players have to learn what those rules that's are right. before they get an opportunity to change those rules. Uh, that, that's exactly true, and we're going to be coming up on break in about uh, 20 seconds, I think, uh, sure. James, Jim, but we'll, we'll continue this conversation because I think it's, it's um, really important. I want to explore with you the Towers-Perrin uh, uh, research that you and I were talking about, too, but sure. it's, a, it's a great, great insight. Okay, um, I think we're moving into break right now. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on the future of business. Learn how you can become the transformational leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next breakthrough wave of innovation. The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. 
Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and we're having a great conversation on the myths about millennials and, frankly, the myths about diversity in the workplace. Um, and with me is, is, is James Rogers, who's a leading expert in this area and has written a phenomenal book, uh, Managing Differently. Um, and James, uh, I, I go back and forth between James and Jim, but James, I like to ask you, you know, we were talking a little bit about you got to learn the rules at the top and you got to understand there's a different cohort at the top and that, you know, that's been there and regardless, you've you've got to figure that out if you if you want to break in because it's not about your performance. It's 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 about your your fit and comfort. I mean, performance is a given obviously. Yeah. But you know, as more people break into that cohort at the top of the house, don't you think that's going to change a little bit, the culture and how that top-of-the-house cohort thinks about the rest of the workforce? It could, but there's a trap there, and I would uh, advise us to be mindful of it. Those, um, those rules of engagement at the top of the house have been around for a long time, and it's kind of like a culture. Culture doesn't change just because we need it to change. Culture is relatively intractable. So here's, here's my thoughts about this, and here's my observations about that. Even when women break through the ceiling, you know, they don't break through, but some of them creep through, and the ceiling is, the glass ceiling <laughs> is still there. Um, the, the fact is, they tend to learn those rules while they're there, on their way up. See, the thing is, I was talking about fit and knowing you, liking you, trusting you being the most important uh, components of, of moving into the higher levels. When women say, I work with people all day long, I don't really want to deal with them after work. I've got a family to raise and all of those other things. That's really kind of a negative signal. That's a red flag. Because you don't get to know people at the level that you need at the highest level uh, while working with them. You get to know them in the uh, informal social settings. You get to see how you behave when you are on your best behavior or when your guard is down. Uh, those are the things that really kind of qualify you at that level. And, yes, it is going to change slightly. But for anyone to expect, oh, well, as soon as these, these good old boys die out at the top, you know, there's a new set of, of enlightened young men and women moving to the top and all of this is going to change, I would caution you against that thinking because that's likely to lead you down a darksome path. You know, I, I think what you're saying is really true because there are stages that people go through uh, and when people do get to the top, sometimes things change and the rules are different and just because there's a different group of people there, um, you know, those rules do perpetuate for a long period of time. It'll be very interesting to see, uh, you know, if the if even if you have a group of all women uh, CEOs Mm-hmm. Are the rules? What are the rules going to be like? Are they still going to be? Uh, are, are they going to make reinvent different world rules, or are they going to do things from their experience? My guess is they're going to do things from their yeah, experience. That's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, you know, I have a prediction, and I suspect you have a prediction about what that's going to look like. But I would caution us against being too um, too much with rose colored glasses about the possibilities there. Because there is a reason for it. See, yeah. You can't go into it with the assumption that these are bad people at the top who are trying to hoard these positions and not allow anyone else up there. 
there are people at the top who understand the dynamics of working at that level, and they know certain things have to be maintained in order for those levels to work. So if we assume that, then we're in a better position to say, okay, so what are those rules? How do I learn them? Who can I get to be a mentor and, 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 a, and a sponsor who will allow me to learn those rules and to move into those positions so that I'm comfortable when I get there and that the other people who are there are comfortable with me being there? Like I said, those are the two issues for women. Women have to be prepared to move into key leadership positions at the top, and that means sometimes a shift in their mindset and a shift in their perspective. And organizations are, as you're suggesting, are going to have to get used to the fact that what we see as a leader is going to look differently in the future. And we've got to be prepared for a broader range of uh, visuals when it comes to what leaders look like. Yeah, I, I really think that that's true. And I often say, you know, I've done a lot of coaching uh, over my, my career, and the catch-all phrase that I, just drives me crazy is the phrase that says, well, they lack executive presence. And it's used more frequently uh, relative yeah. to women than it is, yeah. you know, to other men. And, and it has to do with fit, and it has to do with, you know, how what one perceives as, as an executive and what's yeah. one's bias of what they think executives do. Do you find that? I do. And, you know, part of the pre- preparation for the organization is for them to realize that leadership is not a personality. It's, it's a role. It's a, it's a role in, in a moment. So leaders are not always leading. Uh, even those who are at the top of the house, they're not always leading. And so what they have to do is to reposition the concept of leadership in their mind so that they'll know that at this moment, this is the person who has the knowledge, the skills, the background, and the perspective to get us through the bump that we're going through right now. We need to allow her to lead us through this, through this period. And in the process of watching that, uh, situational leadership, allowing people to lead when their unique set of uh, perspectives is what's necessary to move the organization to the next level, and then watching them to see how they navigate that, that will help people break through these mental barriers that we have about what leadership looks like. Until then, it's going to be very difficult for people to perceive someone who is not aggressive, very extroverted, uh, very macho, very, uh, you know, we all those traits that we tend to, to place on leaders, it's going to be hard for people to envision that in people who don't look like the traditional leader. Yeah, I think that's very true. I, I want to explore something else with you that you said earlier, uh, the stages of life. It's more a matter of stages of life where people are than than um, a generational. And I, I want to underscore that. I, I had managers or leaders who would say to me, uh, you know, well, women won't move and women won't do this and women won't do that. And as it turned out, you know, that really wasn't true right. because men and women at certain ages will not move. Yeah. And, and men as much as women. So, so say more about that, about the, yeah. the stages of life. Yeah, and a uh, good, good example of it is uh, my son right now, uh, he's 30 years old, and, uh, you know, he has a wife and now three children, one set of twins, and uh, he's kind of locked in. Uh, he, he takes as much uh, leave uh, to take care of the children as she does. She has a full-time profession herself. And I'm beginning to see in this age cohort that we're going to see more and more of that. So even in my generation, uh, there were times where it was more difficult for me to get certain men uh, to take the moves that I needed them to make than, than it was for, for the women in the organization. 
some of the women had made tough decisions. As you know, in our generation, women sometimes had to make tough decisions about how they're going to conduct them, their lives. They, for, they, they for, had to go forego marriage. They had to forego, forego childbearing in order to pursue this goal that they had. And, you know, the idea that women can have it all, uh, you know, is, in, in my mind, kind of a myth. So, so the, the women have to make those tough choices and decide if I'm going for the top, here's what I need to do. But in the meantime, organizations have to realize there are some new realities out there about how couples and how women and how men navigate the world of work. And if they're not alerted to that, they're going to lose out on some great talent. And that's really the key to this whole thing is how do we, and the whole work that I do around uh, diversity management is really how do we captivate the talent that we need to distinguish ourselves in the marketplace and to be world-class leaders in our industry. And to the extent that talent matters, and I know that it does, uh, we've got to change some of the mindsets within the organizations as well as equip a different set of people to operate at the highest levels of the organization. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I, I want to, I, I, I just, just, just love what you said, and, and we've got to debunk, you know, that it's this group versus that group and, and, and the stereotypes, you're absolutely right. You know, you said earlier managing cohorts versus managing the individual people. Um, I loved that notion. And say, can you say more about that? Sure. Jim? There's a natural tendency for us. I mean, one of the things that I, in, in the program that I do, is identify what I call the human condition. The human condition basically boils down, if you are born human on planet Earth, here's, here's four things that you can expect of yourself. That you have bias, that you have prejudice, that you have a head full of stereotypes, and that your natural condition is to react to differences. So given that, what we yeah. see is that uh, it is natural for us to want to take the easy route. That is just the reason we have stereotypes. It's a natural part of the human brain development. Stereotypes helps us to make decisions quickly and easily. It goes back to the old brain theory, the reptilian brain. In order for me to decide right. whether or not I want to engage with a saber-toothed tiger, I need something that will tell me, no, this is not a good idea, move on. And so we still have that mechanism <laughs> in our brain, <laughs> but... Unfortunately, in a society, an urbanized society like we have, we don't need it as much, but we still use it. So it's easier for us to say, well, here's how you, here's how you manage women, and so we will treat all women that way. Or well, here's how you manage uh, Latinos, and we will treat all Latinos that way. That is the trap that we fall into because of stereotypes, bias, and prejudice. And we have to move yeah. beyond that in order to even uh, to address the idea that each individual brings something unique to the party. My job as a manager is to figure out what that is and plug it in in the right place so that we all do our best work. That's, that's a great point. And we're, we're coming up on the break in just a couple of seconds, but I want, I want to ask you one last question. Three big pieces of advice that you have for managers quickly. Well, I have a program that uh, tells managers a simple process for managing people. It's called a 347-1228 process. It basically is uh, three beliefs and four phases and seven uh, principles and 12 elements and 28 questions. And it's a simple process. And, it's, again, it's aimed at managing the individual. It's not aimed at managing cohorts. One of the things that we know about motivation for performance is that people have to, number one, believe that they can do what you ask them to do. Number two, they have to believe that you will 
reward them for the performance and not for anything else. And then number three, they have to believe that what you're going to reward them with is something that they actually want. So that's the three beliefs. And then we go on down to uh, the other elements. To the extent that you understand those as a manager, your job becomes easier. Great pieces. I think people ought to check that out. It sounds like it's what's absolutely needed. Thank you, Jim, for being with me today. I have great, great insights. Stay with me. We're going off to break, and we're going to be talking about some other tools and tips. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Do you know your personal brand? You may have the idea, but do you really know how to execute it and perfect it? Join Kathy Bass, the branding lady, for an inside look at the world of branding on her show, Power Up Branding. Kathy and her guests will discuss the many facets of branding, including tips to help you rebrand or bring your brand to the next level. Power Up Branding can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get a plan. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag #IleadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now back to I Lead the Leadership Connection. Hi, I'm Linda Sharkey, and we've just had a great conversation with Jim Rogers, really talking about what the face of the workforce looks like today and what it's going to be looking like in the future and what are some very specific things that people need to do in order to be sure that you capture and keep the best talent in the world, not just in your local areas. And and I was looking before the show at uh, a study that I referenced earlier that PricewaterhouseCoopers did, and and I I find it really fascinating because what it really did was debunk a lot of the myths that uh, exist. And what they came out and they said 71% of the millennials that they surveyed um, said that they wanted to have a better balance, work-life balance. Well, guess what? The non-millennials—hard for me to say—the non-millennials said pretty close to the same thing. And I remember many times uh, people saying, "Well, work-life balance. There is no work-life balance." Yet, 
everybody was looking for it. And I still hear it today where people saying, particularly in financial services, that people are working all sorts of hours, uh, kept into the office until three o'clock in the morning. And frankly, your company gets a reputation for that. And it's a subtle reputation that you may not even experience. But if you have a lot of high turnover, you need to start looking at some of those kinds of things. The other thing the PwC um, uh, study said is that 64% of the millennials would like to work occasionally from home. Well, 66% uh, would like some workforce shift in hours, not necessarily have more flexible work hours. Well, these are programs that have been put in place that companies just simply have not leveraged as well. But the existing workforce, millennial or non, have been clamoring for those kinds of programs and really progressive companies are putting them into place. So their conclusion and mine too, and I think uh, my guest speakers as well, is that you know, you have to have programs and you have to have situ- uh, work-life balance initiatives for everyone as they're going through different generational times uh, in their life. And if you can't adjust your organization to those balance uh, needs of your employees, you're really going to be sub-optimized. And you've got to engage the workforce. Gosh, we've been talking about this for years. I mean, this is definitely not new. But you've got to engage the workforce in a way that it builds trust and that bad word that we used to not like, loyalty. Emotional connection with the organization. Um, You know, I always know when somebody doesn't have an emotional connection with the organization. They say things like, well, they won't let me do, you know, they... Uh, put that rule in place. Um, you know, they have a negative looking face. I was flying on an airline recently that was going through a major merger and I was trying to get on the internet. Seems to be a regular problem of mine, but I was trying to get on the internet uh, on the airplane and this, the uh, airline uh, individual came over and said, they don't let me get on the internet, so I have no idea how you do it. I guess you'll just have to figure it out. And I said, whoa, the whole flight, the whole flight crew was like that. So you know that those people had zero emotional connection with their organization. I also remember, too, I I wanted to just highlight what what Jim had to say um, about the early part of everybody's career. Well, you know, I'm a baby boomer, and I wanted to get ahead as quickly as I possibly could. And I was running a, uh, in, in, in my early days of my career. Absolutely. And I was running an internship program for, actually, I had the privilege of doing this for now the late Mario Cuomo. And this was in the uh, mid-80s, and it was a governor's internship program, highly sought after, would launch somebody's career uh, in in, uh, the political arena. And it was so interesting because everybody who came into the program, they wanted to know in 18 months, when can I be the next commissioner or when can I be a deputy commissioner? So, you know, that, that thirst to climb up the ladder till you figure out what the rules are uh, and, and what it takes to be at the various different parts of the ladder um, are really very much the same. So I really would like to invite anybody that's listening to this show to send me an email. 
I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your stories and what you're thinking about and what you experienced as you're moving through your career and what kind of leaders you really loved working for and what kind of leaders you said, boy, if I never see them again, it'll be too soon. I once worked at one place and um, when this one leader uh, resigned, the emails flew around the company, ding dong, the witch is dead. And people just went underground and hung in until this person finally retired. You know, I don't want to be uh, thought of as, as, as a leader like that, and, and I know none of you do too. But think about it. How can you treat individuals like individuals? How can you learn the aspirations of your employees? How can you create career paths to help people get ahead? How can you give people the balance that they may need? And they'll pay you back in spades. They will pay you back in spades when you really need them when pinch push comes to shove. And how can you help people fit in and move up? Those are really, as I say, it's a privilege to be a leader. And in that privilege comes the responsibility to help other people have an equally challenging, exciting, and fulfilled career. So as we're winding down the show, I'm coming up to uh, talk about the next show. And I'm really excited to have Randall White. And I reached out to Randall. He actually happens to be a neighbor of mine, which I did not realize. But I reached out to Randall because he wrote the first book. He was the original author of the book, co-author actually, of the book, Breaking the Glass Ceiling. And he is now in his second edition. He's done a considerable amount of research on this topic. And he works globally, all over the world, teaching all generations of people, developing uh, leaders. Uh, He was part of the Center for Creative Leadership. And he is going to be talking with me next week, February 5th, and we're going to be exploring how can we once and for all smash that ceiling that holds so many diverse and talented people back. And I love what James said. This is not about people at the top wanting to be mean or not wanting to help people or not wanting to bring people up. It's paradigms are shifting. Bias is there. We have to understand it, and we have to learn uh, in this shifting paradigm world. So thank you, and join me next week for the uh, next part of this series. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.